She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar. Now, Christine Stegall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative in education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. In our community, we don't have a lot of grant opportunities in the rural setting. The larger um, areas, population areas, they do have some other opportunities that we just don't have. But we did have a lot of people step forward and like, if you need to rent a building, I'll cover the first, first year's rent. We just literally went to our body and said, this is on our hearts. What do you think? Welcome back again to another episode of Making the Leap. We're so glad that you're here with us today. We've got a great show for you today with some a conversation with some wonderful ladies that are I, I just taking in what God is saying and going with it in yeah. a way that I'm <laughs> Wait till you hear loving. this conversation. These these women will blow your mind. It blew my mind. I mean, what you, the conversation you're going to hear today, um, we I met these women physically during our anniversary show. They came here to visit this mm-hmm. facility. Which was cool because even when they were here, I didn't get to meet them. You did. And yeah. one of the questions that you talked or that you asked them, um, they said, we're here, you know, we're, they were actually, I will say this, we asked like who is involved with Christian education, who's brand new to it. And one of them, maybe both, but I remember specifically one of them raised their hand and was like, I don't know, you know. And at the end of it, you said, so are you scared off? Are you worried? And I remember you said that they replied, no, we're even more convinced than ever that this is the way to go. They had no blueprint. I mean, the thing about these women, before they met us before they came to Herzog, before they had any kind of skeletal framework of what a Christian education should look like or could look like, they decided they were going to do it. And then just by chance, they crossed paths with the Herzog Foundation, Mm -hmm. uh, came to our shows and started listening and got plugged in to some networking, to some sponsorships, some mentoring. So they now have some guidance. But what you're going to hear is a lot of it, they did all their own just out of passion in the community before they ever knew anything. Let me start very quickly by calling your attention to a tweet. (laughs) Oh, gosh. A tweet last week by the Secretary of Education of these United States, Miguel Cardona. He tweeted, and I wanted to get your reaction, because there was lots of it on social media (laughs) when I posted it. Okay. Teachers know what is best for their kids because they are with them every day. We must trust teachers. So, former public school teacher, (laughs) I'll read it again. Teachers know what is best for their kids because they are with them every day. We must trust teachers. Your reaction? My my main reaction, I saw that briefly, actually, and I, I didn't do too much with that. My reaction first is, yes, teachers are with your kids for a lot of hours of the day. Yes, there should be some trust put in teachers in terms of the curriculum, but that can you cannot do that to the exclusion and the removal of parents. You cannot do that. So to go ahead and authoritatively say we have to trust them and let it all go out to all the teachers, number one, their only responsibility is for curriculum. That is their responsibility, is to teach the curriculum. There's so much more surrounding the curriculum that is not their job, and it's been continually put on them as their job. So to do that to the exclusion of parents or to say it's all-encompassing, everything, we should just put everything in teachers' hands and trust them, um, no. And so when I, when I first saw that, my thought was, okay, to a point, 
a small point, but the rest of it needs to be inclusive with the parents. What was the biggest objection to that statement, do you suppose, from people that responded to me on social media? Teachers know what is best for their kids because they are with them every day. We must trust teachers. Hint, it's one word in this tweet from the Secretary of Education that bothered people the most. One word. Well, the know what is best is what jumped out at me. They know what's best. That's it, So it's not one word. That was the phrase. People got very angry at their kids. Their kids, their yeah. Their kids. People do not like these bureaucrats referring to our children as, as their theirs. Kids. They don't like that. I think that's a, there is a line on that. I, I did in the classroom refer to them. They were my kids in the realm of you're in my classroom. You're, but um, would you call their parents and say, I'm having a trouble, mm, trouble with one of my kids. No, That's not the way no, you refer to a parent. No, but when it's a, it's an easy thing to slip into when you're like, well, my kids are learning this, my kids are doing this because mm-hmm. there is that there, that is one capacity in which I would address other, other colleagues, um, but no, at the end of the day, you have to remember they are not, you, you did not birth them. You did not, get, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I do, they, yeah, but you right. do take some, there should be some sense of community in the classroom. So yes, there is a piece of, you know, yeah, we're a family, we're together. But I think teachers go so far with that. Administrators go so far with that, that then they become, possessive in a way that is unhealthy and now all of a sudden you're going down paths of hiding information from parents and you're not um you're doing more than just teach curriculum you are in fact trying to be pseudo parents you start to feel as if you know better than the parents around you and i that's that well, is a bad and I, idea. Not, I know we've got a lot of bad parents out there mm-hmm. stipulated, sure. and sometimes yep. teachers save kids from bad parents. No doubt about it. 100%. But teachers know what is best for their kids. As a standalone sentence, I, I think most parents who are engaged and care mm-hmm. about their kids don't like being told that teachers know what's best for their students. Right. And I, again, I there's no differentiation. You, and frankly, even in curriculum, you don't want to just hand well, over all uh, knowledge. Let's to personalize them. it. Is mm-hmm. is there a single teacher that any of our three kids have had mm-hmm. that you would say knew something better about the, the, your three children than you did? No. Is there a single one of them at any year they've no. been in school that could call you and go, Christine, I know something about your kids you don't? What know do something about them or just know better what's for them? I know, what's, what's, better I know better what's for them. No. Mm-mm. Not at all. Nope. Okay. And so there you know, when we talk about knowing our kids and knowing what they need, the fallacy in that is when people want to throw around that seven hour number or the six hour number, <laughs> and I've heard teachers do this, there is still one small chunk of a 24 hour day. So mm-hmm. I think that is something that has to be also considered, or I use it as an argumentative type point. Yes, you get my kid, my elementary kid for six hours well part of that is lunch part of that they're at encore so really even then it's not we don't get them all day long teachers really don't then they come home and they're with me and they're with me and you for after school playtime and again I'm just talking elementary after school then we have dinner we go maybe there's a sport or two then we're playing outside and then we have bath time and bedtime and story time and then they go to sleep and you know they're still in my home 
and they're still there and then they wake up and it's getting ready for school and it's breakfast and we're out the door and in the car. So yes, teachers get them for a chunk of that day, but in actuality, parents still have, they still have a greater influence in the, in this realm of 24 hours a day. So I don't want that ever lost and middle school gets less and high school gets less. It's that attitude. Teachers know what's best for the kids because they're with them every day. We must trust teachers. I said, it's that mentality. That's how we arrived at drag shows. Mm -hmm. That's how we arrived at graphic sexual content and gender dysphoria mm -hmm. cheerleading and I'll keep this from mom and dad because they may not be able to handle right. it that attitude is what fosters that notion that yes. oh, we know what's best we'll keep it from mom and dad because they're yes. nuts we can keep our little secret well here. and I do think there probably are te I know for a fact there are teachers that do believe that that when and they'll say it I'm bringing these books into the classroom because I know some of these books aren't going to be available in the home and I want to make sure that yep. this student a has access because they're not going to get this information here and it totally discounts what the family values are in the house well we, um, were, we were discussing that very thing with our guest a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. when she said one of the tricks uh, that are often used is <laughs> go, hey, go home. home and talk mm -hmm. to your parents about creationism and how yeah. it contradicts what I'm teaching you uh, here in science right. and knowing full well that a lot of kids would go home and their parents would go oh, I don't I know, know. <laughs> and that would set the teacher up to take full advantage mm -hmm. of well, see, they're dummies. They don't. So let me they go don't know ahead. What they mean. So well, and that truth. was one of the biggest. I well, I mean, we've talked about this before, but it was one of the biggest um, uh, catalysts. I think. Well, I don't want to say it didn't like make us do anything different, but you blew up the nights that our oldest was in third grade. Came home with math homework, had to be done the exact way the teacher taught it. We couldn't help because we weren't doing it the same way the teacher was doing and he finally said forget it my teacher just said i can go come back to school and i can just talk to her about it because she'll help me if parents don't understand she'll be the one to go ahead and explain it mm -hmm. and you threw a fit and i will never i won't forget that because it was from that point on that i was much more tuned in to that kind of language where don't worry and it's not just to the kids back to school nights where the teachers tried to be very doing it helpfully but not okay if it's if it's a struggle just set it aside send your kid in I will go ahead and help and that message behind it is you don't know you can't figure it out don't worry about it we're gonna do it yeah. and so I became very very aware of that and as a result that kind of started pushing me down a path of not often but once in a while I would be given a phone call to a teacher here and there just to say no, I am. I am going to help them here. I am going to be involved. And you don't get to come over me and not not allow me in a, as part of this partnership that we should be having. Which takes us to today's conversation. Um, we've often explored rural schools, smaller towns, and how they're impacted by this discussion of public school versus private school and Christian school and homeschool. And uh, this is eye-opening, I think you'll find. It was to me. Yeah. The conversation with these ladies uh, and and the fact that rural schools this idea that smaller towns are kind of these hometown traditional family values towns uh, this interview may change your mind so take a listen i have been looking forward to this for quite some time we've um, met had a chance to meet these two ladies at our or at our what i hope is going to be an annual yep. anniversary event here at herzog we were introduced to two women megan grooms and kendra lewis who are with passion church up in cameron missouri and i've been so excited to talk with both of them just in the realm of what we're doing 
with this podcast, it's not just been about our journey and what we've done with our daughter, but now we're getting to talk with people along their journeys. And their journey has been to come together um, in conjunction with their church, and they are opening a school in Cameron, Missouri, and that school is Cameron Christian Academy. And we're so glad to have both of you with us today because I think having this opportunity in an area that is a little bit more rural for people that are outside of the area and don't know, this is something that is in desperate need. And so having you two on to talk about that today is wonderful. So thank you and welcome in. Thank you for having us. So, Megan, I'll start with you. you. When we talked with both of you, one of the things uh, right after our anniversary show, I spoke with both of you, and I was impressed right away uh, at both of your vision for this school, and it was not something you were willing to wait on. I I think some other people may have said, okay, well, what, do you have a two-, three-year plan to start this school? No, you you both jumped right in right Mm -hmm. away and said, no, we need it, let's do it, and let's do it right now. And they said, seriously, now? And you guys, (laughs) you didn't wait. And, in fact, there wasn't really a clear path forward or even knowledge that um, you'd have enrollees. I'm proud to say you do, um, and I'll let you tell the story, but you guys went into this cold. So for people, I guess, that are listening and thinking about starting their own school in their smaller community, Megan, why don't you uh, start us off by explaining the seed that got you started? Well, we I was a public school educator for 13 years. I taught special education. I've taught conservation upper-level science courses. I've taught literally almost everything, Um, special education being my passion, of course. And our pastors came to me in the fall last year, right before Christmas, and just had a meeting and said, where is your heart? Because for the last two years, I have homeschooled our three children. And uh, I was sharing just some vision, and they're like, we need to do this. How do we do this? And I I, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue how we do this. What's that? Ask the Lord, what does he want us to do? And so come January, the Lord just really started giving me dreams and just uh, like, we can't wait any longer. We've got to do this. And, you know, of course you have the people like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe we're going to do this. And (laughs) Kendra and I really just kind of locked arms with some other people. And um, like we've been meeting with our mentor and she said, we are doing literally in five months what she would say would take about 18 months to do. But the Lord has literally laid out every single step. And um, like Kendra has said, working with uh, Herzog, getting us set up in that, she's like, everything I'm reading, every single time, it is exactly what we are doing in that moment. Like, your next step is this. Well, we've already started that. Your next step is this. Well, we've already, so we are tracking right along. So Kendra, one of the things that, so like Megan was mentioning what Herzog is doing. So for people that may not know, Herzog Foundation has an organization set up a mentorship program that is set up to help people like you that are in this beginning state in these stages of starting a school. And you guys, I, I think you're qualifying for the accelerated version of it for sure. Um, but Kendra, how, where were you? So Megan, you know, was kind of approached, you locked arms with her and what what's happening in your head as this quick, quick process is getting started. Well, yeah, so this is something that our church has been talking about for many years, and it's just kind of a thing that was thrown around, and it's like we knew that this was a direction that the Lord was leading our church, that this would definitely be a future ministry, and then it's just like the time is now, and as far as Herzog goes, so I was um, searching out different um, different uh 
scholarships and things like that for students. And I just kind of stumbled upon Herzog Foundation. And then I, right at the same time, I had two other people mention them to me. So I'm just like, okay, I'm going to dig in and see what this is all about because I know nothing about it. Okay. And whenever I dug in, um, I saw the mentorship program. I'm like, oh, yay, I'm going to dig right into this and see what it is. And it's just been amazing just going through those different steps and uh, just getting the confirmation that, hey, we're doing the right thing here. So to be clear, you guys both, um, you you had an idea. You started pursuing this before you had any formal guidance, which I, I guess I would just mm-hmm. ask either of you, when you saw that Herzog had sort of a template laid out, I mean, you guys had charted your own course and were kind of on track anyway, but for, for people that have had this same thing placed on their heart with zero guidance, I I can imagine that the Herzog uh, site and facility would have been a resource to them uh, if you don't know where to start. Yeah. That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that that's the way it's working. We've actually come across other people doing the same type of thing. And they said, you know, meeting up with their mentors, people, you know, where in some of it's across country because they what Herzog will do again for people that may not know is they try to match up schools that are in similar situations and similar um, living, you know, maybe urban versus rural versus suburban. And they try to find those people that um, school size comes into play, those kinds of things. And so I, I love that there was somebody in that process that was willing to step in with you guys along that path. Let me talk to you both about r- being in a more rural setting. Because um, this is a big deal. Yeah. This is actually something we talk about a lot. Cameron Christian Academy, the, the, the city or the town of Cameron, not a big town, um, you know, I mean, re, you know, with respect to maybe larger metropolitan cities. And one thing we hear, ladies, a lot, and I'll direct this to either of you, uh, whoever wants to take it, I guess, Kendra, I'll throw it at you, and Megan, you jump in after. Um, it's... There are people in uh, more rural areas with schools, and they say, hey, look, the school is a major employer. The superintendent usually has a lot of sway politically. And so you find that a lot of representatives of smaller communities like Cameron are resistant to helping foster the growth and the development of schools like your small private Christian institution because, they say, it threatens the public school locally. And so I'm, I'm asking you very specifically to comment on this notion of you guys start a small Christian school, you'll threaten the public school there in your small community of Cameron. Could you speak to that, Kendra? And then, Megan, if you want to jump in. So personally, I haven't had that reception. I have had quite the opposite. I have had people say, oh, wow, this is something that is so needed in our community. We haven't had anything like this, and this is this, this is a good thing. So and definitely our idea isn't to uh, threaten the mm-hmm. public school in Cameron, mm-hmm. but just be an an optional um, Christian education institution that um, it does rival that of the public school in that we're we're offering something very quality and needed in our community. But as far as the the negativity in, we, we've had nothing but support. So Megan, could That's I good. could I ask for clarification? Then I'll ask one kind of clarifying thing. Um, you you don't see it as being in direct competition to the school, then some would say, is your public school not, uh, obviously there's not a Christian mission focus in it. We all understand that. But is is do you find that your community school is doing the job for most parents or not? And if not, how so? I, most people would assume that a smaller community is not as um, laced with the politics of the secular culture today, like a bigger suburban or urban school. 
true or false? We definitely, we definitely see and feel the shockwaves from everything that's happening okay. across the nation. I'm not, I'm, um, I'm not going to say that we don't. We mm-hmm. absolutely do. We have had a mass exodus of students from the public school to homeschool settings because there's no other option, and parents they don't want their children exposed. I really, what I really think that we're seeing right now is the Lord is properly setting the family back where it is supposed to be. Like mm-hmm. uh, parents are taking charge of their children's education while being scared to death because they don't know that they can sufficiently do the job because for years we've been told your kids have to, I mean, it's a law, your kids have to go to school <laughs> and they, they don't feel like they're qualified when in all actuality they are. And what we really would like to see done is promote that community where kids are lacking. They don't have a community feeling at school. We're seeing the suicide rates drastically incline and it is scary and we we really we want to have such a quality program such a program of excellence that it actually challenges and stimulates the public education to do the same to raise the bar to get back to where we were before we got this far gone that's a really interesting um commentary on that because in, in some ways, yes, you, you are, I think, in competition. But at the same time, there's still that idea that now there's just a third avenue open. It was public school. It was homeschool. And now we have this a Christian school that maybe can um, pull the best from both and kind of, you know, start down this new path. And I also, the other thing that I think is interesting, Megan, is that you have a little bit of that, well, a lot of that, the special ed background, which is another huge component of I guess another huge discussion point in the Christian education realm because so many schools struggle with the resources needed to meet the needs of some of these students that have special needs that need to be met. Um, Public school is struggling with that. And so I I think that's also something that I I love to read is that you've got that background and hopefully that is a, a plan or I guess something that you're able to meet for those families. Yes, that is uh, one thing that we, we want. We want to get to that point this year, starting at ground zero. We, you know, financial, we have zero dollars. Mm-hmm. So this year is a groundbreaking, busting through the persona that this, you know, just breaking all the walls down. And we want to get to the point where we do, where we are able to um, meet the needs of everyone. I think one of the things that is so hard for private and Christian schools is that the fear that you're not enough, but you know, the Lord created every mind and every body to function just as he intended. And it's just an, it's a matter of understanding the mind, understanding the need and helping that child get to a point of independency and where they can give back to the community Mm -hmm. and not, not be a strain or a drain as some would call it, because that is absolutely not what it is. They have individual abilities and talents that are much, much needed. I, I don't yes. want to go through every, uh, you know, down in the weeds detail, but just broadly, people that listen to this podcast and might be inclined to try to start their own school, could you give me a 30,000-foot overview of kind of step one, step two, step three? And I, I, I mean, you know, what's the building look like? How do you find these students? What if I don't have enough? Do I have the money? I mean, there, there's got to be a revenue consideration. What kind of building? When you're just kind of starting this in its infancy, what are you looking at? What what are you staring down the barrel of? Megan, if you want to start. 
uh, whenever, so just us starting is we had a meeting just with our, just with our family, our body of, in our church. And we just got together and had just a question and answer and bouncing ideas and maybe things that we hadn't already stirred the pot with. And uh, we had an enormous need. There was 50 plus families that we knew that would probably not go the private school route that might still homeschool, but there was still the interest and absolutely anything we can do, even though we may not come to the school, we may not attend it. How can we help? Um, We had financial reason um, in our community. We don't have a lot of uh, grant opportunities in the rural setting, the larger um, areas, population areas, they do have some other opportunities that we just don't have. But we did have a lot of people step forward and like, if you need to rent a building, I'll cover the first first year's rent. If you if you want if you need computers, let us help you figure out how to get those computers. We just had, we just literally went to our body and said, "This is on our hearts. What do you think?" And it was messy. The meeting was messy. The second meeting was messy. But you know what? It got people's ears perked up, and then all of a sudden, hey, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at that. For me, I was listening to your podcast from yesterday. It was released today, I think, or yesterday. Um, And you were saying, Christine, that you weren't the financial mind. And that's me, but Kendra is. Kendra, Mm -hmm. her mind operates in that way. And it was really cool what the Lord did because her husband also operates that way. And he sat down and looked at this is what it's going to cost for insurance. This is what it's going to cost for building rent. This is what it's going to cost for just a roundhouse figure. So came up with a budget that way. And then Kendra looked at it from a totally different perspective. Hmm. How much would somebody pay for daycare for this amount of days and this many months? What? And it was the exact same amount. Wow. And I'm like, okay, Lord, <laughs> are you, what are you showing us here? It was confirmation. Right. So. Wow. And so Kendra, I'm that's sure how Kendra you, it, it, is step, is step two then, now that you've got that kind of working foundation, is step two then making the case to the faces of potential families exactly so like megan said we you know start out getting your support finding out hey is this going to be something and then okay what are we going to charge or how do you what are we going to charge with the next thing but it's like before we could figure out what we were going to charge obviously we needed to know what it was going to cost (laughs) so we did that and then yeah and then just you know telling families like this is the most impactful investment that you could ever make in in your children and for those of you who don't have children in in the future and of these these children in this community and it's an investment that is worth making i just find that to be probably one of the most inspiring um parts of the whole thing is that every time you know as you guys were both just saying you figure out the cost and then you figure out oh the the two are exactly the same there's just evidence of god working in all those kinds of decisions and all those kinds of experiences. And I assume there's probably many more examples like that. Your community response has been good, it sounds like. I know your church response was great. What have you been hearing from people in the community, Kendra? And what? And by the way, I'll just tack on to that. What's enrollment right now? What? How many numbers, mm-hmm. how many kids do you have you're talking about right now starting? I think our enrollment is around 30. Megan will have to answer that. But from the community, um, people just excited to see that there's going to be a Christian education option in our community. 30. And excited. I'm sorry to interrupt you. This is, I'm interrupting, (laughs) but that's a stunning number actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're we're hearing from people in the suburbs starting schools that are not getting half that. Mm -mm. What have you done to get 30 kids this quick? 
just let people know that we're offering it. And again, Megan has the numbers. I, it's We're not finalized with enrollment yet, so that may be up or down. I, I'm not for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing that we are, another service that we're providing to our community is, you know, we are working hard on offering athletics and offering that to the homeschool community as well. So joining forces basically between like a Christian school building itself, the community that's there and the homeschool community. Is that what you're saying? As far as athletics goes, mm-hmm. I mean, in our community, uh, homeschool kids, there's nowhere for them to play sports. Well, that's something that we're going to be able to offer to the homeschool kids in our community is our school is going to allow them to come and play with us. That's amazing because I know there's I know there's Missouri rules. I know there's all kinds of, you know, sport rule. You know, I, I know just from what our kids do that there's a lot to navigate and hoops to jump through. And I think the fact that you're that is an avenue that you can offer that, you know, is a draw. I think that's intriguing as well. We, we talk about this all the time that we sports is um I think it's a neat way to flip the story because sports often becomes the deterrent for people in deciding to leave the public school system. But if you're offering that as an option to come to your school, I think that is such a great way to flip the script on that. That's amazing. Kendra, I'm kind of hung up on this number thing only because <laughs> I, I, I I really am struck by this. And this is an anecdotal story of Cameron, mm-hmm. but it makes me wonder... Uh, this almost sounds like this community was just desperate, ready, yeah. ready. Whereas, again, suburban city schools are not seeing this kind of interest this early. How do you read it? I don't know if this is unique to Cameron or if we started doing similar shows uh, focused on similar projects like yours and Cameron that we would see this kind of explosion. Do you? Mm-hmm. Is there said another way? Is there a greater need in smaller communities like Cameron maybe than even the suburbs and cities? Uh, possibly. I mean, there's, there's been nothing offered in, in our community like this. Megan, what is the, what's our enrollment number? Where are we at? Our enrollment is 28. 28. So you were right. So I'm actually, I'm starting to think though, too, where we are. So you guys know where we are, you know, we're down closer to the city itself. We do have, I mean, just, we've counted before just off our top of our head, you know, we're, we're looking at maybe between six and 10 different options that exist in addition to school districts that are considered highly rated by you know whatever the powers that be I think when we're talking about cities like maybe Cameron or Savannah or other areas that are close to you guys you are it so right now you don't have other you know what I mean I'm saying like I think there's yeah are you drawing from other small communities besides Cameron oh yeah yes we are oh yeah so there's Hamilton is one that I know of, um, which is Maysville. 15 minutes outside of Cameron. Maysville, also 15 minutes outside of Cameron. Osborn, I think. So that's probably Weatherby. part of it, right? Like, I think that's, and, and I'm not, I mean, I think what you guys are doing is tremendous, but I think because it's the first and the one, that's probably a, a reason for a bunch of, you know, getting that enrollment right off the bat. Whereas I know some schools, um, are like, oh, we need to find 10 and then we can start. And then they're really, you know, pulling because people are afraid and they're worried. But maybe there's just, maybe maybe the, the timing was right and there isn't competition as of yet. Maybe there will be. And I think competition is probably not the right word. I think we open a bunch of schools. I think people will come. But 
maybe that's part of it, Chris. I don't know. I'm All just right. trying to think. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to follow this with great interest how this develops because, I mean, there have got to be small communities all over the country mm-hmm. who would love to do what you're doing. And uh, maybe you're making the case um, that there's an even greater need, that smaller communities will band together and support these faster and more robustly mm-hmm. than su- suburban schools. This is just occurring to me for the first time, and maybe it's not revolutionary, but that's <laughs> kind of what I'm seeing and hearing here. But um, I'll set that aside for a second because that's speculation <laughs> and ask you, um, Kendra, um, in terms of staff. OK, so people are listening. Great. You've got 28 kids. You've got a building. You've got people that are willing to step up and help. How are you actually going to teach 28 kids? How many people do you have physically come into your building to teach them the different subjects? How's that being handled? I'm going to throw that back to Megan. Or Megan. OK. Mm-hmm. OK, so. We are using a Becca master school program, okay. which is what a lot of our homeschool population in our body um, currently is utilizing. Mm-hmm. We wanted an accredited program right off the bat. Kendra's son is going to be a 10th grader. Mine will be a freshman. And we just, we were very, very motivated by the accreditation. We had the opportunity last week to go to a Becca and watch the graduation, which motivated us even more and encouraged mm-hmm. us that we're on the right path. With that said, Abeka offers homeschool curriculum and master school program where they provide the teaching. So they have educated teachers, certified educated teachers that are teaching the curriculum, which means the staff that we have on hand are moderators and supplementers, Mm -hmm. which in the world of special education, that's what I love to do is if a teacher's teaching and then break it down and make it work for the student as an individual. So that's what we are doing. We have two paid staff this year, and we have two full-time volunteers with other volunteers that will be coming in with us. Abeka's curriculum is, uh, they we do utilize the path and the lesson plans and everything that they have set up, but we also get to do our own spin on it, how it works best for our hybrid school. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be different, but being coming from a special ed background that does not worry me because i i would have 28 kids in a classroom right. grades k through 12 <laughs> in my smaller districts teaching 12 different levels of mm-hmm. education all at one time and it's okay it is it's okay and it can be done i think doing a lot what you are saying and it and it is um, it is uh, some of that I think is unfamiliar to some people, but it, it's that out of the box kind of thinking. It's it's really breaking out yeah. of that traditional mindset of 21st graders, 22nd graders. And instead, you know, going from you can put a first grader, a second grader, a fourth grader together and a lot of learning can still occur and some amazing growth can still and, occur. And only one teacher can teach one subject and that's that. Right. We have to get out of that a little yeah. bit, especially. I mean, a lot of families at homeschool get out of that mindset fast. Um but at yeah. the same time, I'm sure for some of your families, this is probably still a big risk. What have you? What are some families saying that you have been enrolling and talking with? They are beyond excited. Like awesome. they are so thrilled. The, the children cannot wait to get together. Um, we are our main goal is to build a community of like-minded believers that they can go to school. And they can voice their opinions and they can speak about Jesus and they can show their love. And we can we can grow as a unit, as a whole, without being told that we can't, without being told that you can't talk about that. Just giving them, because everything through Abeka is grounded biblically. It is very, very sound. It is about a grade level ahead of 
Missouri education currently. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids jumped right into it. We're able to take off with it. Some kids are going to struggle a little bit, but that's where we're going to love them through it. We're going to encourage them through it because, you know, through trials is growth and opportunity and learning. And that's, that's just, we want to support, go back to that true support of the family where we can lock arms with the family. We can lock arms with the church and we can do what the Lord sent us to do in the first place. I, I am so excited for you. I will tell you that when I first heard about you through another friend who, you know, threw this out there on social media and she said, oh my gosh, this is coming to camera and this is so excited and she is exciting. And she has her daughter in a Christian school here in the Kansas city area. And, you know, I know they have some ties to some different rural communities that are around us. And the response to her post was some of the most encouraging I've read because it's just amazing to watch this. I don't know if the word just spread out. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of public schools that are bigger in the urban areas and suburban areas, they're kind of hotbeds for a lot of, um, I, I keep calling it the crazy that keeps happening, but we see it encroaching further and further outward from this epicenter. And I yeah. love that you guys are coming up with ways to to meet that need as the, as it reaches this, the places where yeah, you live. This conversation makes me think, and I'm going to investigate this further mm-hmm. because I think there's something to this. I, <clears throat> I come away from this conversation today feeling like maybe maybe the rural districts and the smaller communities around the country, no matter, you know, whether it's Cameron or whether it's any other state, I'm really sincerely wondering if there is a bigger, more voracious appetite for this than even in suburban and urban settings. I, I really wonder. And it, because the presumption is that most of these communities, ladies, are uh, traditional, family-friendly, not as hostile to traditional values and Christian values, and so their public schools are just fine. And what you're telling me today is that's not necessarily what a lot of families are feeling. That's, that's my takeaway. Right. Is that incorrect? No, you are correct. Okay. So that's a good, I, I like correct. it. We're going to keep, we're going to keep following. What, what can people, if, you know, if they want to, if maybe they're in that area of Cameron, or maybe they just want to go and see what you guys are doing, or they want to look online, what is there, um, or they want to help you financially, or, you know, do you have a website? Do you have a place that people can go Facebook and take a look, social media, and just see what, what you guys are about? So we are in the very beginning stages of website and social media. We still don't have our logo done yet. That's right. Um, but th- our, our school is right now a ministry of Passion Church. And so people can give by going to passionchurchmo.com. Okay. And from there, you can give online and let them know that you want to give to CCA or Cameron Christian Academy. Perfect. And that's probably the best way to reach out to us or also um, just send us an email at um, admin at cameronchristianacademy.com. We will absolutely uh, share that out again. I think I think that's a really important thing. I'm excited to follow what you guys are doing. I, I mean, I personally plan to stay in touch. Um, you know, you can't get away. I've got your, your, you know, got your phone numbers now, but I just think this is aggressive. These are remarkable stories yeah. of just grassroots starting and go with it's it. It's an aggressive agenda, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I must say that you both sound more aggressive about your plan than in anybody we've ever met. <laughs> no, not in a bad way, in a great yeah. way. I mean, it's, you're coming on a lot faster than I think a lot of other people would even I think sometimes we it. get worried about being cautious all the time, but at the same time, when you feel equipped and empowered, you go. And yep. I think that's amazing. So, Megan and Kendra, again, thank you. 
thank you for your time today. Um, we will be in touch. We will share your information and I can't wait to watch and see what God does next. Thank you. Have a blessed thank day. You. Yeah, you too. I loved everything about talking with the two of them. Like They are, they are on fire. <laughs> I, have, have you met? I mean, we've interviewed a lot of great people who have passion for their work, but these two seem uniquely focused like lasers. Well, and I, it's, I've never it's, seen anything quite no. so impassioned as they are. The speed is yeah. amazing. Um, the energy, I think, is tremendous. And I, I, caution is always good, right? You always want to be a little bit, you want to know your information, right, before you dive in. But that can be a real hindrance sometimes. Sometimes I think it's better to just channel and harness what you've got and go with it. But I love, love, love for, you know, people that maybe don't know that are listening from out of state. We get a lot of different out of state listeners with this podcast. Um, Cameron is a small town. I do not know the population, but I know it is a small, it is a small Less town. Less than 10,000. Yes. Less and than five. I I'm going to guess. And we should probably double check that, but I'll I, Google it while the, you talk. <laughs> but it is a town that has a high school, has middle school, has an elementary school. We've driven through it a few times. It is definitely, um, I would say, a solid hour north of the Kansas City area. Um, and there isn't... It says as of 2021, 8,400 okay. people. Okay, so we're, yes, yeah, so smaller than, we're a little smaller than where we live. Mm -hmm. um, definitely one of the bigger small towns that yep. is north of us, for sure. I think once you pass through there, you don't hit a whole lot of what, small towns. What she said to us, and didn't make the show here, but we talked kind of off the segment, um, was they were at a community baseball game, and hmm. uh, someone approached them and said, you guys are the talk of the town. A teacher approached them. A teacher. Yes. Uh, and she said, it's not really that we worry anymore about having uh, enrollment. It's that we think we'll double and triple within... And that they are smart enough to to be aware they're going to have to, at that point, temper some growth like because they, they, they need I, this to This is what blows needs. my mind. They actually think this, all these neighboring small communities are going to want at them so desperately they're mm -hmm. going to have to slow it down. Right. That is not what we heard from some suburban startup Christian schools. Right. That's, they're not, right? I mean, we've I, no, interviewed we've heard some other, yeah, different and ones. And I'm not besmirching yes. any yes. of them. No, no, no. I'm, I'm intrigued. Why do you think it is that there doesn't seem to be this voracious appetite to run toward it the way the ladies in Cameron are experiencing with neighboring small towns. I know I'm thinking about so the town that we live in I'm thinking about well just our church itself there are people in our church that know good and well the school district that they have their kids in has a lot of issues and they're concerned about what's happening but they haven't made that they just haven't made that jump they yeah, haven't right. made that leap yeah. right um I can think of a few, you know, same with maybe the next school district in, you know, there, we, they know there's, they know there's trouble, but I really feel like a lot of parents just kind of think they have a handle on it. Or they can write it out. Or, or they can wait, right, yeah. that it's not going to be that big of a deal. We do see a, a shift with that lately, I think in middle school and high school that we've seen some people come, but I, but like I said, I they are the only option out there other than homeschool. So when you only have one option, where are you going to go if yep. you need that? There you go. You either homeschool, public school, or now you have this Christian, you know, academy. But where you and I sit, we can tack off. You know, we can go this school, this school, this school, this school, this school. That are all alternatives to that public well, school. And so we have we have that. But so when, you think there's more choice? I think in right private in school, private in school, areas. Um, okay. 
financially, that's still always going to be an issue. We did not ask them what their tuition is going to be. But when she was talking about the cost of daycare and the cost of school, um, you know, I think we'd be looking at it in the hundreds yeah, just based sure. on what I know people pay for yeah. uh, just daycare for little ones. So it has to be. Um, I know that the school, when we talked with, um, uh, I always screw up their name, Glenn, Glenn Haven, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a little bit, they're in a sub, they're in a suburban, more of a downtown suburban feel of the Kansas City area. Their tuition was lower and they had huge interest as well from their community. Um, I'd love to check in with them and see where their enrollment is at, where their, you know, where their numbers are at, because they're also, I believe, planning to open in the fall and they started way back. Right. So I don't know. I just, I, I cost is always a deterrent. So I don't know what their cost is, but to go from nothing to 28 kids pushing 30 and know that they're going to have to stop at some point for enrollment. And they're also that the uh, Becca, what they talked about, that is a, uh, not there. Like I said, it's out of the box style type thinking you, it's not a teacher in a classroom. It's using a classroom or using a curriculum that's already set up. That is also, um, some creative thinking it's different. And so for parents to be on board with that, when you're talking about first grade through 10th grade or kindergarten through 10th grade enrollment of 28, that's pretty amazing. So wherever you live, if this is on your heart and it's something you want to do, I think these ladies have now just shown a blueprint that, yes, uh, you can do it. It doesn't have to just be in a center, uh, the center of a big city or even a suburb of a big city. You can do it in a small community, too, and draw from even smaller communities right. that are around your small community, which really make Absolutely. it go. So anyway. Absolutely. If you want to leave, a, you know, talking about this, I'd love to hear, you know, we'd love to hear thoughts on what is happening. We always love to hear Particularly about other people. Town. Yes. I, this is an episode that yes. makes me think, I want, if there are people that live in rural communities or listen in small towns, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Or if this is happening in your small town, somewhere yeah. out near you, what you're seeing, we'd love to hear from you. The email that you can reach us at is hello at makingtheleappodcast.com. Um, you can also find us on social media at Making the Leap Podcast. Face, uh, that's Facebook and Instagram. Twitter is making underscore the underscore leap podcast. Any of those avenues will work. We get your emails. We read your emails. We try to utilize emails here on our podcast. So if we're not responding directly to you immediately, we are pulling those in and we're looking to read those, share those. And I always think that the emails that come in are of great benefit to listeners as well. So that is where we share a lot of that. Um, if you are interested, if, if you're out in that area, you know, around in the Missouri area, or you want to support, see what's happening, get questions answered, passionchurchmo.com. We'll put it up on our social media information. We'll put it in the description of the show. Too. Yes. And that's where you can find that. Take a look at that because I think it's inspirational. I think there's something to be said for just getting in there and doing what you know you're being called to do and what the Lord is asking of you. So I would definitely encourage you to take a look at that as well. And we will be back with you next week. Making the Leap is a podcast presentation courtesy of the Herzog Foundation. Please rate and comment on the show as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time on Making the Leap.